And welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our special guest author joining us from Chicago is the purgatory lady, Susan Tussoni herself. Her latest work, New Friends Now and Forever, <laughs> a story about the holy souls and naturally available through our EWTN religious catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. Always wonderful to see you, Susan Tussoni, though it would be great for you to be here in person. Oh, Doug, the, the, this is my purgatory not being with you and drinking some champagne with this <laughs> book. I, I, I apologize. I, you know, uh, Father Joseph told me that this was part of the suffering, um, but this book has taken me three years, and uh, and I'm just delighted to be with you and to share. I would probably call one of the the greatest books I've done on on purgatory because it's for the children. Right. Well, uh, you mentioned Father, and I'm assuming that's Father Wade Menezes, our good friend here at EW10. You also alluded to the fact, uh, the trials and tribulations you went through over three years to get this done. Explain that. You know, Doug, um, I, mean, you, I hear about spiritual warfare. I hear about the attacks from the evil one. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, all these years I've done multiple books and I, I, you know, there was mishaps, there was all kinds of things, but this one, it, it, there, it, it is real, there is such a thing. Uh, Father Wade, Father Joseph was explaining to me um, that I literally uh, got physically sick so much that they called it a stress heart attack. I almost had one of those uh, because of wanting to get the right things for the book and not giving up. Um, but after, after that physical scare, um, I was already into it two years, and I, I was going to give up. I couldn't do it. I, the doctor said, if you go any further, you're going to end up in the hospital. Uh, so that was part of the physical attack, as Father Wade said. And so I called EWTN, and I owe a lot of gratitude to Teresa Lorick right. because she said, no, no, don't stop. I said, no, I'll put it in my will, and I will give it to EWTN and let somebody else take the story because I, I can't do this anymore. It was already two years she says, no, go to this go to this woman. And in fact, she was someone that you had interviewed. She mm -hmm. wrote a, a book on the rosary, Jane Marone. And she said, call this woman. And I and her name was Jane Marone. And there was another long name. It, it was like a double Italian name. And she's a pharmacist, as you recall it, and a comedian. Mm -hmm. And I dreaded it. Right, I dragged right. myself to her. And I just went through the motions. And I said, look, this is what happened. And she said, no, this is your illustrator. This is, you can't stop, go to the illustrator. And she actually taught me how to do WhatsApp. I was never on WhatsApp. There he was, and after the two years of knowing what I went through, I, I knew specifically what to say. I said, here are the characters, draw them. And right. I'll know, I would know immediately. He drew them within 30 minutes and my mouth dropped. I knew immediately, this is, as Father Wade said, this illustrator was chosen by God. Right. And uh, that was it. Uh, he, he just, as you can see, the book is the bishop say, Bishop Conley, Bishop Hine, um, uh, Bishop um, Perry, splendid, spectacular, brilliant, vivid. These images just take your breath away. Right. And I'm not saying that to promote the book, but it's real. Right. I even hang on to it to make sure that it's real because it took so long. But yeah, there is such a thing and you need protection with priests. And thank God Father Wade was in, in, there in the corner helping me along with this. Right. Now, and it ended up being a masterpiece, as I, as right. you're saying, and everyone is saying. So I'm just so happy to be here. Now, the artist is Joris Handoko, right? He's the one who ended up actually doing this beautiful artwork, which people will be seeing during the interview. 
Yes, he is from, to my surprise, Jakarta, Indonesia. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I was directed to him. Uh, he comes from a very Catholic family. Mm -hmm. uh, it was his, he said it was the most challenging work he's ever done, but the most fulfilling. He was very moved by the children and their love for Mr. Mm -hmm. Ray, an elderly man. Um, and he, he shared, you know, how it increased his faith and uh, how it moved him back. You know, he was attending mass, but it moved him regularly with his family. Yeah. And I remember the day when he emailed me and said, I, I was at mass on Palm Sunday. Um, but it, yeah, it had a major impact on him, but he gave it the ultimate best. The, if you saw the detail, the, the detail is spectacular, Doug. Mm -hmm. And then what the ending is epic. And I had this vision of this ending that I worked with. Um, Father Mark Lakovich was the rector of Borromeo Seminary, and he was watching this for three years as well. And he was the one that described to me what what paradise should look like based on theologians and also based on um, uh, uh, Pope Benedict. Pope mm -hmm. Benedict wrote a brochure before he was pope on what heaven is. And it's actually, it's a reunion, Doug. Mm -hmm. And he gave me all these theological things that had to be in there. Now, you wouldn't know that unless I explained it to you, um, but, it, but it, it turned out, it gave me the goosebumps. He, so I showed it to Father Mark and he said, you captured it. Well, yours captured it. Um, and it's, it's one of his favorite scenes. It's a, a double page spread and it's right. one of my favorite scenes. Towards I don't want to give book. away the yeah. ending, but um, you're getting a big hint of what the ending looks like. It, yeah, and you saw it, Doug. You saw, you saw the, it, it's the breathtaking ending. And of course it ends, you know, with a great reunion. Well, let me ask you a question. And I can't tell you, Doug, I, I'm sorry okay. to sidebar. I'm so tickled to be able to talk about it. Okay. Well, I, you kind of bring up the question to yourself uh, and for an audience in reading it really and talking about, you know, let's say parents who picked up or grandparents who pick up the book for grownups in the beginning. And you ask the question itself, a children's book about purgatory. Uh, yeah, why, why do children need a book about purgatory? Do they really need to be thinking about death and those things when they're young? They, they, well, um, look, what, what ages were the children of Fatima when Our Lady appeared to them? Mm -hmm. You know, what she showed them hell. Uh, we, we have, as I say, all these blood and guts games and movies. What, what, you know, heaven and hell or purgatory looks mild <laughs> compared to what we're seeing these days. But, um, you know, I've over the past 23 years, Doug, I've done. Uh, now 10 books on purgatory. Mm -hmm. We have a great movie that you you uh, offer, uh, Purgatory the Forgotten Church, which is right. available. Um, you have uh, our, our, our collection of purgatory books, but uh, th there's also a book that you interviewed, um, uh, Teresa Linden, you interviewed her on Tortured Soul, which is a great novel. But mm -hmm. Doug, there was nothing for children, mm -hmm. nothing for children. We needed to reach the children. We need to you know, where does the faith begin? It begins with the family. So we needed to share this doctrine, which was lost after Vatican II. Um, it got lost in seminar seminaries, it got lost, lost in schools. Um, and so what was the fruit of that, Doug? Mm -hmm. The fruit was that the, you know, it was never taught because people didn't have an understanding. Uh, parents and teachers didn't know how to, didn't have the knowledge. And so this book is bringing that to them, to right. actually to parents, because it's good for parents and to children. They need to understand the doctrine of our faith, it's the church suffering. We have to share what the, who the church right. suffering are, and this part of the mystical body. 
Now, you mentioned right at the beginning, you like to say that purgatory is the massive piece of God's mercy. You said, as well-intentioned as our own parents and teachers might have been, the message most adult Catholics received about purgatory was not a positive one. How do you see it as merciful? Oh, my goodness, because it, I like what Benedict said. You know, um, if, you know, where where would we go if, if there was only heaven and hell? You know, what we'd have to make purgatory up because, you know, who who goes to purgatory? Forgiven souls go to purgatory. These are our, our friends, our families, because we have to talk about this souls. But they're everybody that's entwined into the fabric of our lives, mm -hmm. our priests, our brothers, our aunts, our uncles. Um, and you know what? I just I got too excited. The, what was the question, Doug? I, I apologize. Give me the R question one more time. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll just pick it up and say, uh, you describe purgatory that way as, as merciful. How so? Yeah, why is it merciful? Because we're not perfect, okay? We have faults, we have attitudes, we have behaviors. Um, and we're given the grace to avoid purgatory. It's his mercy because who can stand before God? He's all pure, he's all holy, he's all majestic. Teresa of Avila talks about, you know, on her deathbed, she was able to see, and the nuns thought she was frightened because she was thought she was gonna go to hell, and she said, no, it's not hell. It's not that I'm afraid to die. It's I saw the, 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 the purity of God. And so God gives us the opportunity, even though we're given the grace, there are things that we didn't complete. We didn't complete certain things in life. Our attitude wasn't corrected. Our, our whatever it was in, right. in our life, he he basically takes his unprepared children and prepares them to be able to stand before him. Mm -hmm. So it's really putting the pieces back together that we didn't do throughout life. We've been given, we were given all the graces, and sometimes we end up in a precarious position. And whose fault is that? Mm -hmm. But but God is not here to lower the boom. It's not a chamber of horrors. He's to, he's here to put the pieces back together mm -hmm. so we can be in His presence. Right. Well, there is the mercy. Right. Well, you talk about purgatory as not being punishment, but, but the fact is that it is purification, and sometimes purification can be God. You also talk about it, you talked about it in a sense of not a physical fire, but an inner burning, a spiritual fever. How would you explain that? Yes, it's, it's that, you know, um, people think of it as a fire, but basically, um, what's the primary pain of the soul in purgatory? The primary pain is the loss of the sight of God. Mm -hmm. They saw God. Once the soul leaves the body, it shoots up to God like iron to magnet within seconds. They, we were made for God, and then we belong to God, and we go back to God. But then they see where they stood. You know, they see, they see how how they're not prepared to stand before Him, and so they they hurl themselves back uh, to purgatory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doug, it's not there. There's no rebellion soul in purgatory. They choose to. So what do they experience in, in purgatory? They experience that loss. They saw the lovableness of God, the beauty of God. They saw the plans that God had for them throughout life. They saw the decisions that they made either for or against God. And they don't want to be in front of God unless they're totally purified. So what happens to them in purgatory? They experience this loss, this big hole. It's a, it's like a frustrated love. It's a spiritual fever because they cry out, God, God, I must be with God. So that loss is mm -hmm. the, is from being with him and then not being able to, to stay with him. You know, it, it, it reminds me, Tug, of 
of uh, Elvis Presley, the song, Hunka Hunka Burning Love. Mm -hmm. You know, we have holes in our hearts when we children go to war or kids go off to school or people, the children leave the nest and what's, we lose our loved ones, there's a hole. There's a hole there. And that's what the soul's main primary pain is. This burning, they burn for love of God. And in fact, Doug, God, his, God actually does, uh, heals the soul with his love. So it's a healing of God's love. In, in, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but Benedict describes it beautifully in Space Salve. So if you want to go to Space Salve, I think it's number 48. Mm. You'll ex he'll, he's explaining this gaze of Jesus and how the gaze um, burns and, and takes away all the dross. Which, what's the dross? What are you, what are you um, repenting of? You're repenting of the sins that you didn't make um, reparation for. You know, you didn't, the charitable act of mercy, the corporal works of mercy. If you didn't do those things in life, you make reparation, mm -hmm. then you have to do it in purgatory. I hope that answers that question. Right. You talk about the idea, and we'll get into the story itself. When someone dies, children and adults, too, may feel helpless. They wish that they could do something. The church's teaching on purgatory tells us that we can do something valuable. And that's kind of the theme of the story of the family and their friend at church, right? Exactly. It's about, uh, it's, the book is unique. As I said before, maybe I didn't say it, there's no other book like this on purgatory for children. Um, it's the first of its kind, and it's a story, and it, well, let me answer this, if, I, if you don't mind me adding this, how do you explain a doctrine so difficult like purgatory? Mm -hmm. And the book is a story. Jesus told parables when he wanted to explain things. So it's a, it's a, it's a precious, warm, loving story about twins named Ben and Hope. And there is a reason why I did everything, why I named them that, why the church's name, why the family, you know, the parish. Um, and, and so they meet, they meet Mr. Ray. Uh, and it's, a, it's their journey with Mr. Ray mm -hmm. uh, because they learned that his wife, Gloria, had died. And that's how we introduce uh, why was he praying for her? And then the parents bring up, you know, she, she might not be in heaven. She may be in purgatory. And then we use the term holy soap for children because purgatory is like a cleansing. But if I, might, if I, if I, I want to just add this, that there might be a question if the kids are saying, well, what if they're in heaven? Mm -hmm. That's answered in the grown-up page, as right. you were referring to earlier on. There's a whole grown-up page that explains purgatory to the parents. So when these kids come up and say, what happens if they're in heaven? We have that listed, and I can give right. the answer what happens. Right. Uh, it's in the Catechism 958. The more you pray for the souls in purgatory, if they're already in heaven, um, you you increase their intercessory power. So right. the lesson is, is you never stop praying for them because you right. it's a 958. The more you pray, the more you increase their intercessory right. power for you. Right, absolutely, and 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 for uh, for yourself and your own personal prayer life, it improves. That. Now you alluded to the fact that you've named everything. You've got Ray. You've got Hope in there. But you've also got, and you alluded to it, St. Gertrude's. Why St. Gertrude's is the parish? <laughs> yeah, well, she was, she's very popular. They're purgatory saints that we named uh, the church after St. Gertrude because, uh, you know, she's noted for that famous prayer that helps release souls out of purgatory. Um, the children are named, ben, you know, it's all acts of God's mercy throughout the book. Ben and Hope. Uh, ben um, is named after uh, Jot. Oh gosh, Jacob's favorite son. Hope, I named her because of the virtue of hope and to never give up. Um, I think we have uh, 
there's other there's there's other symbols that I that have a meaning uh, the mo- that the have a wife meaning. Who died oh, Nicholas, is, uh, baby, is Gloria, baby Nicholas right. is actually you've my, got Gloria, right? Is Gloria? Well, that one, that, Gloria from the Gloria, you know, mm-hmm. glory to God in the highest. Also, a little personal thing. My mother, you know, uh, her sisters would call her Gloria, and I don't know why. Um, but that's it's just a little, a little right. nod to my mom. Um, there was also, if you notice, Doug, the the wife, the mom, is pregnant from the beginning all the way until All Souls Day, and she gives birth to Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas is named after Saint Nicholas of Tolentino, who had a a, a, a huge devotion to the souls of purgatory. So there's something, a meaning behind everything that I did. Nothing was arbitrary. Right. Just to show God's love and his mercy is all connected through the saints, through, you know, through the church militant, and of course the church suffering. What I really liked was the idea and the character is explaining to the children why he, he was praying in church and still praying for his wife. And he, he talked about the fact that they're still prayer pals now and forever. That's a great image. Yes, it 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 it's just I'm just so tickled because we we were able to take a concept and put it in a story and bring it down to their level because the souls are your prayer pals. And if you one of my favorite scenes, Doug, is that two-page spread of that's where I had to figure out. And Yora said to me, Susan, what do we do for purgatory? And honest to Pete, got a, a, a Doug. I feel like I'm talking to. I, I'm just so excited. Um, I just remember sitting there, and I said, "I know yours. They're prayer pals because the one thing that the souls can do, the only thing that they can do, is pray for us. They mm-hmm. cannot pray for themselves. Um, they are totally helpless. So there, there is your beautiful image. They're interceding. We are interceding." Um, uh, well, the souls are interceding for us, and as you can see, they're in prayer. That's the one thing they could do is intercede for us. And then we've got the prayer pals, which are us, the church militant. And you, there's some people you might recognize in there, Doug. Um, and we are praying for them. And so it's an exchange of prayers. Right. That's what this is. The souls pray for you. You pray for them. And the more you pray for them, the more powerful their intercession is for you. And they become literally friends forever. They, the, the guardian angel tells them who's praying for them. They pray intensely for, for you, especially for family members, especially mm-hmm. for those that they lived with. In fact, the research I'd done over the years, Doug, it was very interesting that Padre Pio, Mother Teresa, St. Faustina, who appeared to them? Families, they go to the people that they loved and mm-hmm. that they lived with and that they were close with. So Faustina's sisters from purgatory came to visit her. Padre Pio's brothers and priests came to see him. Um, so there was that uh, uh, very interesting thing that I noted. And you can, you as well as everyone, knows that you have dreams of your family members right. that appear to you. They they let you know if they need help. They let you know if they're, um, if they're okay. Uh, so there was that bond that's never broken, Doug. Right. Yeah, in fact, uh, on page 19, and we just had the image up, I think, before, uh, uh, Mom even took them to adoration, and every time they drove by the cemetery, they prayed eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. Which you have re- repeated several times during this, obviously, to reinforce that. But what I loved about it was uh, the graveyard yeah. itself, which looks like some family members from what I can see on both sides of your family, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, there's um, actually yours. His uncle is in there. I had I had a brother that died suddenly. Um, it just broke our hearts. When you know you're expecting a parent to die, but when you lose one of the siblings, mm -hmm. there's a different kind of pain. So um, brother Pasquale, we call him Patty Boy, uh, died at about 52. So I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to recognize him. Um, mm -hmm. There was a little girl. Well, first of all, let me just say about the tombstones. And again, mm -hmm. this was Father Mark, the, the rector, saying it has to be a warm cemetery, an mm -hmm. approachable, nothing to scare the kids. And that recognize that there, those we had St. Joseph, we had a guardian angel, we had a Celtic cross, we, uh, we oh. had Our Lady of Fatima, that we're all still intertwined together. It's the church, it's the church triumphant, the church suffering, um, divine mercy we had in there. But yeah, I acknowledged that my brother, and then I, um, it, I actually, I, I felt it was important to acknowledge soldiers because a lot of children have lost their fathers in war. So I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, Christy Ramis, one of your pilgrimage directors, mm -hmm. her her father was a major, and and we have we we have him in there. Um, but there were there were reasons why we had certain things in there that I wanted to um, address. But the butterfly, I have to share this if you don't mind, Doug, mm -hmm. is for a, an aunt of mine that died. She was 10 years old at the time. And that's the time, and nobody knows the story, I won't go into it, but I was hit by a cab in 80, 83. I almost died. Um, and and then I found out, you know, that this little girl uh, literally was 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 killed by a, a car mm. on the 50 years to the day that I had gotten injured. And she she died, Doug, and I survived. And, I'll, and the date is seared into my mind. You can see on the cemetery, August 11th, what is it? the feast of saint susanna the feast of saint Clair, and uh, it shook me up when i heard that she died on the day that i i was injured and we both had this these this this car accidents mm -hmm. and i went to a priest and he said that sometimes a sacrifice is made in the family for a greater cause mm -hmm. and he said this little girl 10 years old took the hit so you could do this mm -hmm. It, uh, and he said, you can choose to do this. God, we always have the free will. Um, but I stuck with plan A with God. And mm -hmm. I had already was involved with it. And I, I learned about it while I was on a, you know, I was speaking to her and visited the cemetery and got the papers. And, and that's what he said, that sometimes a sacrifice is made in the family for a greater cause. She took the hit. My life was spared to do this. So that's why I wanted yeah. to have a, a nod to little Mary. Right. You also have, uh, uh, you know, the idea of lighting candles, uh, especially uh, in and around All Souls Day for those who we're praying for, right? Yeah. Did you know, Doug, that that glows in the dark, that candle, if you open the book at night? I'm just nope. kidding. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, it, it is luminescent. He, he, candle, I can see that. It, it, right, you know, right. The page before that, it's... it's <laughs> it's so bright. He, it was so brilliant. But candles are sacramentals that actually help the souls. Holy water helps the souls. Uh, uh, candles help the souls. Uh, of course, you talked about they were driving past adoration. We have the four pillars throughout the book. What are the most important things to help the souls? The mass, the rosary you'll see throughout the book, adoration, um, each, and the eternal rest prayer, Doug. You nailed it. You read the book, Doug, uh, as you always do. But you know, you see books, I've seen children's books, they had a little character that would take you through, you know, the book. And I thought, I wish I could do that with this book. Well, God bless, thank you, Lord. The Eternal Rest Prayer takes you through the whole book. Right. It weaves in and out. So by the end of the book, 
you'll the children will know the eternal rest prayer, which is the official prayer of of for the dead of the church, Doug. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. And it's a part you gain a partial indulgence by saying the eternal rest prayer. So you've so got a vigil, combination. Candles are very important. Uh, right. Blessed candles are very important. Absolutely. So you've got a lot in here in a sense that you explain the basic understanding of purgatory for parents who understand why there's a book like this. Then you've got a wonderful story and illustrations for young people. And you also have, in a sense, uh, you know, something else for kids, which is a section besides did you know, but something called seek and find. Why did you put that in there? Yes. You know, Doug, that came at the end of the book. You know, it it, it took it was very intense, uh, but I loved it. I I enjoyed I enjoyed doing this. Um, I discovered throughout all the pages, Doug, there were the symbols of our of our faith were throughout the whole book. Mm -hmm. And I my sister uh, has uh, taught first grade for 40 years, and many books are called Seek and Find, and I just thought, oh my gosh, we have to do this. We have to, it will help the parents. It will help the, the, the children. So I pulled out all the symbols. We have the Alpha and Omega on the altar. We explain what that is. And then we, we have the page number so the kids can go back and, and find it. We have the pelican and the, and the, uh, with the chicks, the baby chicks on the vestment of the priest. We explain what the pelican is and why, why, how, why it's feeding its chicks on, on a vestment that's in there. We have, um, Gosh, we have the sanctuary lamp. We have candles. We have blessed palms. We have the epiphany blessing. This is all part of our faith, uh, and we. I wanted to be sure that the parents are going to learn mm -hmm. from you know from this, and so will the children. And it was important to share the symbols of our faith. And there's a lot more, but we just didn't have enough room. The the right. keys of Peter behind the chorus singing, um, those are there. Yeah, it was, it was, that was a last minute thing that I just realized and, mm -hmm. and, and we, thank goodness we had room to put it in. Okay, last question. Is there another book in the works? <sighs> so, Doug, I'm going to catch my breath <laughs> and I'm going to take a break and hopefully, hopefully we will do a book for EWTN. Okay, that would be terrific. We'd love to have you. Susan Tussoni, author of New Friends Now and Forever Story about the Holy Souls, a wonderful gift uh, for grandchildren or children. Uh, check it out for, obviously, for Christmas or Easter. I'm Doug Keck. This has been a wonderful interview. Thank you so much, Susan Tussoni. We'll see you next time, and we'll see all of you once again on Bookmark. Thanks.